This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Are you sick and tired of biased hockey talk? Then you have come to the right place. The Drop focuses on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other news from around the NHL. So tell the ref you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You were headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance Descott. Welcome to The Drop Podcast. I am your host, Lance Descott. Seems like we haven't talked in such a long time. It's amazing how quickly time can go when you're not seeing a lot of hockey played. But this last week, once the team started playing again, it felt like it went a lot quicker on my end. I wanted to bring in a couple people that I'm sure a lot of Blues fans have heard of. Uh, Bluesrants.com, they write some great articles, some great takes on the Blues. They also keep us filled in on the Rampage and a lot of other stuff. And joining me today from Blues Rants are Tim Hirsch and Ray Standifer. Guys, how are you doing today? Hey there, it's, it's Ray. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yeah, and this is Tim. Thanks, for uh, Lance. I've been a longtime fan of your show, and uh, good to be talking to you today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I've uh, been a longtime fan of you guys also. I think you guys are similar in your thought process when it comes to blues news, blues opinions. A lot of people out there can be so opinionated in one direction that the coverage is not fun to listen to or to read, but you guys try to stay pretty even kill. When a player's playing bad, you actually come out and say he didn't have a good game, wasn't a good game for him. When he's playing good, that same player, you guys will bring out, hey, this guy had a great period. It was a great goal. And that's what I try to do, and that's really hard to find in today's world. You'll find people that will either be so positive about a guy, they'll never say anything negative about him, or they'll be so negative about him, they'll never say anything positive about him. And I really appreciate your guys' take in, in that manner. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think what we try to do is just have a a presentation that uh, that we can stand behind. If, if, if we're to come face-to-face with any of the people that we're writing about, we want them to have some respect for us the way that we uh, respect them. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course I do. You... You want to give them the news. You want to give them your opinions on the Blues. But you want to stay a little bit neutral. Yeah, you can love a player and, and that. I mean, there's players that I love more than other players. But when it comes down to it, you and Ray and Sarah and everybody else involved with Blues Rants, you're pretty much spot on. And like I said, it's very similar to what I do. So I wanted to have you guys on. There's a lot going on. The trade deadline, the Blues goaltending situation, coaching. Who could be traded if the Blues are going to make it to the playoffs, so on and so forth. And I just wanted to go over some of that with you guys because everybody hears my opinions and most people know how I feel about a lot of these uh, topics. But I wanted to get your guys' opinions on this. And one thing I wanted to start in with, Tim, with you, a lot of people are already calling Jordan Bennington a GOAT, the greatest of all time, which, which gets me how people just just overuse that word so much, especially the younger generation. It's only not guys our age, and I'm not trying to make us sound old, but we are all over 30, I believe. So I think Bennington's a good goalie. A lot of people want him to solely play every game and only play Allen when it's back-to-back. There are those that want to play Jake Allen only if Bennington's hurt, and they want to play Bennington all the time. Tim, do you think Bennington is our starter? Should he play more than Allen? 
what's your take on those two uh, topics? Uh, goaltending, hardest thing in the world to talk about, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, Bennington, um, he's played really well since he came up, um, but I think we still have a really small sample size with him. In pro sports, it's uh, the same in every sport where uh, when a guy comes up, a rookie, and he's playing a little bit, no team has really prepared for him. Uh, they haven't scouted him. Uh, they've been scouting Jake Allen. They know where Jake Allen's weaknesses are. But once a goalie starts uh, making a splash the way Bennington has, I'm sure the teams are scrambling to get footage on him. They're looking for his weaknesses. And so far, we haven't found many of those. But uh, give him a bigger sample size, and I think other teams will start to exploit him the way they do any other goalie in the NHL. So I think we're going to have to see more of him before we can tell what his future holds with the Blues. I think moving forward, I, I think the Blues are kind of in a tough spot. It, you know, they want to win and make the playoffs. And and so in order to do that, they maybe have to play Bennington um, until he proves you otherwise. Uh, but uh, the biggest risk I think the Blues have is if they play Jake and he plays well, they're increasing his trade value. But if, if he... If he doesn't play well, they're lowering his trade value. And so uh, for those who think that Jake needs a fresh start somewhere, that he's, uh, you know, doomed here, I think it's uh, it's it's kind of a catch-22. Uh, if he's playing well, he can maybe get you in the playoffs and, and win you a round or two. Uh, but if he doesn't play well, then all of a sudden, you know, his trade value is a lot uh, lower than it, than it would be if he were playing well. So, uh, you know, how's it going to look if he loses his spot to a rookie? What's he going to be worth if we decide we do want to get rid of him? He's got a couple of years left on his contract. Um, so it's kind of a tough spot. I've defended Jake Allen, and you guys probably have heard me do so. And one reason that I have defended him in a lot of instances, I don't every time, but if he has a bad game, you guys have, I'm sure, heard me say, hey, Jake had a bad game. He let in two soft goals. And I try to be pretty even, but when a guy is being torn apart, especially by people that A, don't know hockey, B, they have never played the game, C, have never played the goaltender position. This little feisty little person inside of me just gets a little defensive. And Jake has not had a great year. I will admit that. But for those people that just go on and on and, oh, he's never been a good goalie. He is what he is and so on and so forth. We've never had confidence in him. He always gives up the soft goal. He does give up soft goals, and he has bad games. Every goalie does it. But if you go back through his stats, uh, the first year he played for the Blues was 2012-2013. Had a 2.46 goals against. His save percentage was not very good. It was a little over 900, I think 904, 905. His uh, second year, 2014-2015, when he played a lot more games, his goals against was only 2.28. Had a save percentage of over 9.10. I think it was 9.12, 9.13. His next year was goals against 2.35. Following year, 2.42. The year before this year, it went up to 2.75. And he had uh, one of his worst uh, save percentage years. This year, by far, is his worst year. But for people to say that Jake Allen's never been a good goalie, it gets me. And then another thing is people keep sending me emails and uh, keep tweeting me. We've got to get Bobrovsky in here. Bobrovsky's a proven commodity. He can get us a win. He can win in the playoffs. He's just a great goaltender. Well, then I show them Bobrovsky's never won a playoff 
And their first thing is, well, it's because his team let him down. But yet when I mention Jake's team let him down and didn't play good in front of him, nobody tends to uh, agree with that. Jake is not the best goalie in the world. Uh, in fact, if you look at his stats over the last five years, he is somewhere between number 12 and 14 in wins. So that's somewhere around middle ground in wins. I think he has around 125, 124, 123 wins, somewhere in that nature. I haven't checked it in a couple of weeks. He's only a couple wins behind Carey Price. And when I bring stuff up like that up to prove that Jake's not a terrible goalie, that he's not a great goalie, he's an average goaltender, people tell me I'm using semantics and I'm twisting stats to, to make my point. I mean, you guys probably see what I do. Jake is not the worst goaltender in the world, but he's not the best goaltender in the world either. He's an average to a little below average goaltender. I agree. I think that um, I think that uh, social media and uh, writers in general are uh, are writing about Jake in a way that portrays him to be absolutely horrible. But uh, the truth of the matter is, he's he's an average goaltender. Um, I have a lot of frustrations with Jake, but I also have a lot of uh, notice for what he deals with uh, in this particular city. He has started 19 playoff games. And when you hear his win-loss record, you're going to go, ah, Jake Allen's a terrible playoff goalie. It's his fault the Blues haven't made it far in the playoffs. He's won nine and lost 10. But guys, you look at his save percentage, it's 9.22 in those games which is pretty damn good. It's better than average. And his goals against is 2.10. That is pretty damn good in the playoffs. But people still have this notion, Tim, that he's a terrible playoff goalie and can't get the Blues anywhere in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, people just tend to blame the goalie too much for losses. And, and he probably doesn't get enough credit for wins unless it's a shutout maybe. But, uh, you know, we, I think, um, you know, if you look around the league, if you were going to replace Jake, who are you going to replace him with? That's the thing I always ask people. Okay. If we want to get a, if we want to get an elite goalie, who are the elite goalies? Who would you consider to be an elite goalie? And so they might name five or six goalies in the league. And so my next question is, all right, now, how do we get one? How do you move Jake? What do you do with Jake Allen? And how do you get one of those elite goalies? They, they aren't so easy to come by. Uh, and so every team, most teams in the league have to deal with uh, playing in front of an average goalie and they have to play, um, you know, they have to play well in front of the goalie in order to win. Yeah, I've, I'm a firm believer as being a former goalie playing from the age of six to 43 that goalies get a, sometimes too much credit for a win and they get lambasted too much for a loss. It's a, it's a team effort. You know, if, if your team allows five breakaways and you give up one goal, are you a bad goalie? If your team allows seven penalty kills and you give up one, penalty, one, one power play goal, are you a bad goalie? Uh, not necessarily. There's a lot that goes in to being a goaltender and a lot to wins and losses. A goalie can make a huge difference. But the team in front of him can make a huge difference too. And you can take very good goalies and put them on bad teams and they may steal you some wins and they may be good goaltenders, 
but you're still going to see them go through some of the struggles that so-called bad goaltenders go through. The next thing is, do they, what do they do next year? You know, do they trade Jake Allen? Everybody wants Bobrovsky in here, but nobody, at least 80% of the people I talk to, are aware that he's making $7.2 million this year. And his agent has stated he wants carry price money, and that's going to be somewhere between nine to ten and a half, eleven million dollars a year. I don't see Doug Armstrong paying any goaltender that kind of money. No, I don't either. Um, I looked through the list of uh, the UFA goalies for you know at the end of this season, and this, there's really six six guys. Uh, you got you got Varlamov in Colorado, who's making five point nine million. You got Bobrovsky, who's making a little over seven million. You've got Talbot in Edmonton making four. You got Morazic in Carolina making a million and a half. You got Mike Smith in Calgary making four and a quarter. And then I think the steal, the guy that's probably incre- increased his worth more than anybody this season, at least so far, is uh, Robin Leonard in uh, in New York playing for the Islanders. Uh, he's only making – this might surprise some people when you see how they've been playing and, and what his statistics are. He, he's got uh, he's got a 931 save percentage this year. His goals against is 2.02. And do you know what he's making? He's making a million and a half this year. What do you think that guy's going to sign for next year if he keeps going this year? So I I think the biggest thing right now is that Jake just hasn't played well since Christmas break. You know, in the in his eight games since Christmas, he's three and five. Um, he's he's allowed two point six three goals against, and he's got a save percentage uh, south of eight ninety eight eighty five. The save percentage, uh, and Bennington in the same stretch is is five one and one with a one point five seven goals against and a point nine three seven save percentage. So, I think that's um, you know that's the telling that's the tell there. Uh, so I think you got to keep playing Bennington. I don't know if you alternate him every other game. I think you just got to play it, play it as you go, see how things go. But um, hopefully they both can play well because I think the Blues are going to need them both to to make the playoffs. Goaltending guys has been a huge topic. I think I fully agree with you. I think we need both of them playing well. I would like to see Bennington probably play most of the games, 65 to 75 percent of them, and then go from there. Let's go ahead and move away from goaltending. There's so much going on. Boston's looking at Shin. Carolina's seriously looking at Tarasenko. We know that Petrangelo, there were talks about him going to Toronto. Ray, do you see any of these guys being traded? And if so, which one would you trade? Uh, well, I want to start off saying I'm no expert, um, but there, there are other writers more qualified in our, our group that could answer this question, but I'll still tell you my thoughts. Uh, if it was up to me, I wouldn't trade any of these players. I'd rather just see success here. Um, but uh, if the Blues were to move one of these three players before the deadline, uh, Braden Shin's probably the one more likely to be moved, in my opinion. I think that the Blues making a move like this, though, really depends on the team's performance in these coming weeks. Um, if the Blues have an ugly early February, it's more likely we see a big trade like this one. But if they can string some wins together and playoffs are more than just within reach, then I don't see a trade like this happening at all. Um, the reason I say Braden Shen is because he's movable. He, does have a, he doesn't have a no-trade clause, and uh, 
playoff contenders will want him. Uh, I hear he wants $7 million after 2020, and someone will pay him that, but I don't think the Blues are going to want to pay him that. Um, he's not playing that top-line center role that he played last year when he was clicking with his line mates all season, uh, well, the first half of the season or so at least. Uh, I feel that if we were to give Braden Shin what he wants, there's a possibility of a decline, and then you're looking at something similar to what we see with Steen nowadays, uh, later. Um, I think Vladimir Tarasenko is a guy who who I wouldn't trade, and I don't expect the Blues to trade him. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. Uh, some may say that his no-trade clause kicks in next season. That's reason to move him now. I completely disagree with that. Uh, he'll be back at his game when he can be. He hasn't said, hey, guys, I'm at 100%. You know, uh, and when he does, I want him wearing blue. Um, Vladdy's important to St. Louis, and St. Louis is important to him. I just don't, I don't see him uh, moving. And as far as Alex Petrangelo, uh, he has a full no-trade clause and obviously has to agree to go somewhere. Uh, maybe Toronto would be appealing to him, but I'm pretty sure he's made himself at home here in St. Louis with the C on his shoulder, and I. I don't think that he's in any rush to pack up his triplets and move. Um, Blues have apparently been contacted about Bo Meester, and uh, he's got the no-trade clause, but I could see him waving it depending on uh, where he'd go. And uh, Pat Maroon's a guy that the Blues may want to move if they're not going to re-sign him. Yeah, that would be a, a good name. He's not costing them much, but... You know, there's been three or four games to me where he stood out. The rest of the time, he's just not looked like the guy that I had seen in the past with the Oilers and the Devils. And yeah, granted, he played with Connor McDavid, and that can make a lot of people look really good. Now with Shin, I don't think Shin is totally sold on St. Louis. And there's nothing against that. Everybody that comes here, they have a right to say, hey, St. Louis is great, but I want to play somewhere else. A lot of people get offended by that. I've never been one of those guys. That really doesn't matter to me. Is it a plus if they love the city like Tarasenko and Petrangelo? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. But I think if the Blues did trade Tarasenko or Petrangelo, both of those guys love the city enough, such as a Rick Nash when Rick Nash played with Columbus, that he would know that the Blues were, that they would know the Blues are trying to improve. I think Tarasenko and Petrangelo would. I really don't see them making a trade unless it's Shin. There are a few pieces in Carolina the Blues might want, and if they could get two guys and maybe a first-round pick for Tarasenko, I think Armstrong would consider it. But I just think it's going to take a huge deal to get either Tarasenko or Petrangelo moved. I mean, you've seen Toronto gave up a first-rounder and two former second-round picks for Muzzin. Muzzin's a nice defenseman, don't get me wrong. But he is no Alex Petrangelo. He's just not. He's a left-handed shot, number one. Number two, even though Alex hasn't been to a Stanley Cup, I think up and down offensively and defensively, Petrangelo has a much better game. And if Muzzin got that kind of a return to the Kings, can you imagine what the Blues could get for Petrangelo if they were able to trade him? I think that trade with Muzzin uh, signaled to me that Petrangelo was off the table. That's just my take on it. Yeah, and I've from what I've heard from my people in Toronto, they would still love to have 
the right-handed defensemen such as a Petrangelo, they would really have to make a lot of different changes and maybe even involve a third team to get a Petrangelo-type deal. I think if Petrangelo was offered a trade to Toronto, I think that's one of the few places that he would say, oh yeah, I'll definitely go there. And it's nothing against the guy because there are a lot of players that would waive a no-trade clause to play in Toronto or somewhere in Canada where they grew up. And I don't blame them at all. And getting to Braden Shin, he's not played terrible this year. He always gives a good effort. I just don't think he's gelling with his line mates like he did last year. Yeah, considering uh, what he wants, um, I think he's a player that is uh, at his best when he's got two line mates that are absolutely just on it. And you can't guarantee that. Um, Jaden Schwartz works his, his tail off and things aren't happening for him right now. And then, uh, you know, Vladi, he's just not exactly himself as we know. So in turn, Braden Shin's not uh, seeing as much ice time, power play time as he used to. And, it, and it's, it's just not reflecting a $7 million contract in the future. Yes, Shin is definitely not getting the power play time that he was last year. He's been relegated to the second unit mostly, and it's kind of showed up. But like I said, I think he still works hard. Speaking of minutes, one of my pet peeves is the Blues' use of some of these young guys. These young guys only learn if they play. Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but you've got to play them, Ray. You've got to. I agree. And, uh, you know, Jordan Cairo, I believe he played like, un was it under five minutes one night? You got to let him make mistakes if you're going to bring him up. Uh, if if you feel he's going to make mistakes, don't bring him up. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I want to see Jordan Cairo get some ice time. I want to see Alex Steen on, on the third line. I, I don't want to see Alex Steen up there. Uh, as far as Thomas's return coming up, I'd rather see Thomas up on the second line, to be completely honest with you. I fully agree with you. Set him for a game or two. Let him set in the press box. Let him get some of that hunger back. I see nothing wrong with that. It's work with David Perron. Well, take a look at what happened with David Perron after he got scratched. You know, uh, maybe, just maybe, you scratch Alexander Steen and he comes back with a little fire. Another guy I think is being underused, underdeveloped, is Vince Dunn. He needs to play more minutes than Jay Bowmeister does. Jay Bowmeister needs to be on the third pairing. Yeah, I, I agree that Jay Bowmeister is a third pairing defenseman, and uh, I would much rather see Dunn get some more time. Um, his offensive production has been uh, good this year. I know all of us have been impressed with DP57. You know, he had, what, 10 goals last year with Vegas and 40-50 assists. I wasn't expecting him to get much more than 10 goals. To see what he's done this year, he's really impressed me, and I've just been shocked. And even though, like you said, he had to be set because there were a few games where, like before in his career, he just didn't show up. But how impressed have you been, Ray, at, for the most part, at how good David Perron's played? I'm super happy with David Perron's play. Uh, it's a real shame he got hurt because he was really in the zone and not just scoring and assisting goals. Um, he hasn't taken many penalties lately. Um, I think it's, 
only three in the past 12 games and the 16 game point streak uh, speaks for itself. Obviously the seven goals and 10 assists, his chemistry with Ryan O'Reilly is just awesome to watch. Um, He's actually one of my favorite blues to watch. I just love the style of his play and I see his potential. I enjoy seeing him play up to it. I think that he finds himself on a third line here and there, and I don't think he takes well to it. And I think that he's the type of player that has to play with nearly, uh, nearly elite uh, line mates. Uh, when he does, he flourishes. But whenever he's stuck on a third line with slower individuals that uh, don't read off of him as well, uh, he falls into a slump. And uh, I'm extremely impressed with with what he's brought to the table. I know he skated today before practice, which is a good thing. And uh, I, I think that uh, what people need to take into consideration is when we look back at the Joe Thornton hit, I really had an impact on his career as a young player. It really stunted his, his form. And I think that as a veteran, he's, he's one good veteran hockey player. And he's been that type of player since the Blues traded him to Edmonton. He does great when he is surrounded by good to great talent. Same way with Anaheim. Same way with the Golden Knights. He had some good talent around him, and he thrives in that. You know, the kicker on him, like you said, he's only had a couple penalties lately, was he always took bad penalties. And he still does that, but it seems like he hasn't done that this year. He seems to be getting much better at not taking that stupid penalty. Absolutely. I think that Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron read so well off of each other. Uh, seeing them stay after practice together and everything's a great thing. And it makes you wonder why some of these other players on our team don't do that. And it's not just David Perron not making as many mistakes and playing better. This group of guys is playing like a team. And a lot of people, Tim, were blaming Jake Allen for a lack of success at the beginning of the year. But this team was not playing as a cohesive unit until the last few weeks. Yeah, you know, with, uh, without singling out players, um, the one thing I've liked about the Blues more recently is that they've been a little more resilient. You know, early in the season, they were, uh, they, you'd see them get down by a goal and, and then it was over. You know, a couple of bad things, a couple of bad things happened and it was over. And, um, uh, lately it, it hasn't been that way. And we've seen them bounce back from they've given up the first goal several times lately and yet bounced back and came from behind and won, uh, which is a good sign. And I wrote about it recently, I think uh, a few games ago, to me, it was a lack of maybe a lack of leadership somewhere. You, you know, anybody that's going to overcome has to have a leader say, you know, I'm going to put you guys on my back. Let's go. You know, we all make mistakes. We all we, goalies let in soft goals. Defensemen turn the puck over in their in their own zone. Those kind of things happen. And so, you know, let's not let it defeat us. Let's overcome. Let's go, guys. You know, we got this. Let's let's move on and and play our best game and and get back uh, and win this game. And you've seen it happening. And I think that's a great sign. Um, so lately, I think the Blues have been. Um, yeah, they have been more resilient. After we uh, did not re-sign Bacchus, and I'm glad we didn't. You know, I love the guy to death. He is always be remembered as a St. Louis Blue in my mind. Gritty player, definitely a leader. 
And when he left, there was a void. And I'm not saying anything against uh, Petrangelo or any of the assistant captains in Steen or Tarasenko, but there was a void left when Bacchus left this team. I don't think this team has fully recovered from that. He was a great judge of character on what his teammates needed and when they needed it. I haven't seen a lot of that, but I will agree with you. I think the team as a whole is taking more responsibility for themselves and then taking more responsibility as a team. But it definitely did not start out that way this season, especially with the high expectations that we had for this team. Well, I think the fans are yeah. quick to want to they're, they're quick to want to talk about, you know, the captain and it's the captain's fault, but but we I think we all just got such high expectations with all the moves that were made in the off season. What we failed to realize was and I was guilty of it as well. Uh we turned over half of our forwards, you know, in in the off season and you can't just expect that this, those guys are all going to fall into line and and everybody's going to get along and know their place, know their role. Um, you know, right. it's obviously we're, we're seeing it now looking back hindsight's 2020, we can see that it's taken a while for things to start clicking. Um, and I think we were just, uh, we just had such high expectations. We expected them to win every game from the start of the season. And, and we see that it didn't happen that way. So I think things are headed in a better direction now. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Sometimes it takes guys a little bit to get integrated. And these guys, most of them put on skates when they were three or four. Most of them have played hockey from around that age. They know how to play the game. It's just getting them to fit into a system, getting them to buy in. And also, it has a lot to do with looking at as a coach. You've got to look at a guy, and you guys have heard me bring this up before in my podcast, and go, okay, I'm using him this way. That's not the best way to use him. He's not bad in that area, but I need to make sure I use him in these instances. I need to make sure I use this guy in the face-off circle in the offensive zone. Well, I'm going to use this guy in the face-off circle in the defensive zone because he's a little bit stronger on the D after the face-off than the other guy is that I'm going to use in the offensive zone. You know, it's got a lot to do with that. You've got to know where to put the players, when they're going to succeed, and that takes time. Sometimes guys gel within a day. Sometimes guys gel within a week. Sometimes guys gel in a year. And other times, guys don't gel at all. And uh, I think just some of these guys, it's taken a little bit longer because this team has talent. They definitely have talent. Ryan O'Reilly is not, I mean, when he, before he came to the Blues, the Buffalo Sabres fans hated him. I mean, he got ripped apart for not being a team player. I even heard that from one of my contacts, that he doesn't work hard enough, so on and so forth. So I was a little, you know, squeamish of getting him. But after seeing interviews, you know, from his first phone conversation and talking and watching him play, uh, there's no doubt in my mind he's not a cancer in the locker room. He's a hard worker and he's good for the team. It just takes time for guys to fit in. And it takes time for a coach to look at him and figure out what lines guys need to go on, what players they do not need to be playing with. And I think a lot until recently, they weren't putting guys on lines where they were going to succeed. They were just putting guys on lines to say, okay, we got our center. We're going to put DP on this wing. We're going to put the other guy on this wing. And I don't know if a lot of thought was going into it, but it seems like there's more of a method to the madness than there was, Ray. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happier with what I've been seeing. I, I, I like that Barube will, 
will uh, sit, you know, a player. I mean, with uh, the exception of Steen or uh, Petrangelo, uh, he'll sit somebody to make an example of them, and he he'll rotate it around. Uh, as they uh, brought up to my attention on uh, St. Louis Blues podcast, I I want to see consistency though. I I don't see what is needed to win 20 plus games uh, out of 33. Talking about uh, winning 20 out of 33 games. I know everybody has been talking about, especially a lot of people they keep bringing up the fact that the Kings were the eighth seed in the playoffs and they won the Stanley cup. So the blues can do it. The blues can win the Stanley cup. I am not going to go that far. Well, you you bring up the Kings being the eight seed. That's the exception to the rule. Not many teams. How many other teams can you name that went into the playoffs as the eight seed that walked away with the Stanley Cup? So I think we have to realize that that's a pipe dream most years. I think uh, when you when you look at the standings right now, you've got eight teams in the West competing for what boils down to really three spots. You know what it boils down to is that you got to play better than you've been playing. Over the last several years, I think the lowest play, the lowest lowest points that have made the playoffs was a Minnesota team, and I think it was 15-16, made it with 87 points. That was an anomaly. Everybody else, every other year, you got to have. I think they're going to have to have 96 points to make the playoffs. There are some years you can make it with 94, 93, but if you look at the average over the last six, seven, eight, ten years, it's been somewhere between 95 to 98 points to get into the playoffs. The thing is that the Blues don't really control their own destiny anymore. Um, you, you have to count on other people to lose, even if you're winning. And, and I don't right. know if you guys have looked at it or not, but if you look at the February schedule, uh, it, is, it is brutal, man. We're, they're going to play 14 games in 25 days. And other than this, they're playing at Columbus tomorrow as we're recording this. And they'll have two days off after that. But the rest of the month, they have no more than one day off in between games. And it's road home, road home, road right. home. And I believe the next three... are, I believe the next eight uh, of 11, uh, eight of 11 are on the road coming up. They got to play back to back Nashville. They've got to play Tampa. Dallas is ahead of them. They got to play Dallas. Minnesota's ahead of them. They got to play Minnesota. Colorado's ahead of them. They got to play Colorado twice. They play actually the Predators three times, and then they play Boston. It's going to be so difficult. It's one thing to grab yourself a playoff spot, but it's another to hold on to it and run away with it. I was just going to say, you look at that February schedule, and it's back-to-back Nashville, home-and-home. And And then the next weekend, you play two more games in between, but then the next weekend you play in Colorado. The next night you're playing in Minnesota. Two more games in between with Toronto and Dallas. And then the, the last weekend of the month, you're playing Boston at home and then at Minnesota. Uh, th- I think it's make or break here in February. Um, they've got, they've only, they only play 10 more games against the Central, uh, Central Division. They've got, they got three, three against Nashville, two against Minnesota, two against Colorado, two with Dallas, and one with Chicago. And a lot of those games coming here in February. I think in March they only play one Central Division opponent. So 
I think uh, in in February, this is make or break. I think also when you look at those teams they're playing this month, 14 games, 11 of those teams are, are playoff teams, teams that are already, you know, in a playoff spot right now. And in March, you know, if they don't win in February, March, the schedule gets a little easier, it looks like, because they only play uh, five out of the 15 teams they play in March are playoff teams. But if you don't win in February, those March games don't, aren't going to matter. With that being said, guys, do you think the Blues will make the playoffs? And if so, do you think they'll win around? Well, that's, that's a hard question to answer when you're a Blues fan. You know, you're trying to be objective here, but uh, you're a fan and you want them to make the playoffs. Uh, I think the one thing that we can, can celebrate and can be excited about is that the Blues, for the most part, have played up to the level of their talent, or uh, excuse me, the Blues, for the most part, have played up to the level of their competition. And so since they're playing so many teams that are ahead of them this month, maybe they'll rise up and uh, surprise us all. Um, I think uh, I don't think they'll make the playoffs because I think it's just too big of a hill to climb. But if they were to make the playoffs as, let's say, an eight seed, uh, they'd be facing either Calgary or Winnipeg, depending on who finishes you know, first in the West. Uh, we do have a good record against Calgary. We, we were 2-1 were and one against them this year, um, but not so good against Winnipeg. So I'll say that if they make the playoffs and uh, Calgary is the one seed, we're the eight seed, we will win that first round against uh, Calgary. Um, but if it ends up being Winnipeg, I'd say we wouldn't. I'm going to be honest, and I don't believe that the Blues are going to make the playoffs this season. I, um, I think that uh, it's very possible we grab ourselves playoff spot and uh, not hold on to it. Maybe even hold on to it for a bit, but just not run away with it. I just, as a fan, it hurts to say, but I don't believe the Blues will make the playoffs this season. I think they'll give it everything they've got, but they're going to look back and a couple of these lackluster performances are just going to haunt them. And I, I would, I would much rather than prove me wrong. I would love to see it. I am hoping for it, but I, uh, I just don't see them winning the games they need to win when they need to win them and, and winning consecutive games in a row. I, I, I don't see it happening. That's just my honest opinion. My take on it is I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, like you guys said, I'd love to see them do it. One of the reasons I wanted to have everybody on here I wanted to announce to everybody that the Drop Podcast is now affiliated with bluesrants.com. This happened because I think we both have the same goal to bring great content to the Blues fans, great content to the NHL fans as a whole. I think you said it well, Lance. Uh, we see things this similar way, and I've, I've been a fan of your show ever since I found you. I don't know when that was, but uh, I listen to every single podcast, and I enjoy your recaps. and. I think we can uh, do a lot to help promote each other. Um, our, one of our goals at Blues Rants has always been to help grow the Blues community, no matter you know what podcast or blog or news source that is. We're, we're just trying to grow the Blues community and get as much Blues content out there and create as many Blues fans as we can. So glad to be partnering with you and look forward to it. 
Absolutely. I'm glad to be partnering with you as well, Lance. Tim, you said it very well. This is really just kind of a a service to the community that we have going on here. Uh, we we want to teach people about hockey, and we want to educate and entertain Blues fans. We want to make new Blues fans, and we want to affect the hockey community here in St. Louis in the most positive way that we can. Um, really excited to be partnering with you and to, to just spread all of the information that uh, we're digging up on these Blues and and uh, just get everybody on the same page here, you know? You want to be able to bring other people into your family or into your fans to show them, hey, if you like my podcast, you're going to love what the guys over at Blues Ranch do, Ray, Tim, and Sarah, and everybody else there. It It's going to just bring more information to the fan that they can just eat up because I've always been the type of person that you can't have enough information. Now, there are some people that have said there's too many blues podcasts. There's too many people writing blues articles. We want to give every possible angle to the blues community and to NHL fans as a whole so that they've got a wide spectrum of different types of media to look at and to enjoy. I don't do this to become rich. I do it, number one, because I love the game of hockey. When I had my stroke and could no longer play hockey, it devastated me, and it devastates me every game that I see the blues play. It devastates me when I feel it start to get cold, when I know that I could be out there playing. It's hard for me not to be out there, but by doing the podcast, it keeps me involved with the game. And by being involved with you guys, I get to see your take on Blues games. One great thing that I love is all your updates on the Rampage. So I think that's just a great benefit added to the Blues fan because that's not talked a lot about in other podcasts. And I think that's great you guys add that. Right, Tim, would you tell uh, him about Bobby Duquette? Yeah, I'd like to give a little plug for Bobby. Uh, We stumbled onto Bobby accidentally. He uh, started commenting on something we were writing about or or tweeting about and just started a conversation with him. It turns out he's a guy that grew up in Detroit, so um, he's a Red Wings fan. I'm not so happy about that, but he found – he, uh, he found himself and he found himself in San Antonio through his job. He's uh, he's former military and um, married a girl from down there. So he's kind of entrenched and he's had season tickets to the rampage for the last five years and just loves hockey. And you can imagine being in Texas, there's probably not a lot of hockey. So uh, this, this guy's been a rampage fan and, um, and he stuck with them through, I guess they were a Colorado affiliate, and I don't know who be, who before that, but now he's excited. They're uh, they're solidified in their relationship with the Blues, and he goes to all the games, and he's writing the recaps for us now, giving us an update, and updating us on the Blues prospects down there and how they're playing and what's going on with them because there's really not a lot of information coming out of uh, San Antonio for blues fans up in St. Louis about what's happening with the players down there. You hear people talking about why is Costin not getting called up? You know, why is he not getting a chance and this and that. And so if you'll check out Bobby's uh, stuff on our, on our page under rampage rants and follow the updates, he gives updates on the players there and you'll see why maybe Costin hasn't been called up. So check him out. Bobby Duquette is his name. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at what's his Twitter handle, right? Uh, that's Hockey Town South. Yeah, at Hockey Town South. Okay, and I will also post that 
on my Twitter feed so that everybody knows where to get their Rampage news from. Maybe sometime I'd like to have him on the show and we'll do a Rampage report. It's just going to be an exciting partnership here. And uh, everybody here at The Drop is looking forward to it, just as everybody there is. Awesome. Awesome, Lance. We're looking forward to it as well. Great. Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me. That's all the time we have for this episode of The Drop. We're going to catch up with these guys periodically, talk blues, hockey. Hopefully we'll catch up with some Rampage news, maybe monthly, every six weeks or so, get you guys an update. So, guys, make sure you check them out. That's bluesrants.com. And, guys, until next time, have a great evening. You too. You too. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Drop Podcast. To get more of The Drop, check out our website at droppodcast.com. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast or on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. You can email The Drop Podcast or host Lance DeScott at lanced at droppodcast.com. To find out more about Lineup Media, go to lineupmedia.fm. Until next time, let's go blues. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.